to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Second Corinthians chapter 11. As we continue our study through this chapter, uh, we won't stop this theme until we're pretty much done with the whole of the book. Paul is writing to the Corinthians. Some believe that this is quite possibly the third letter that he has spoken about. That beginning in verse in chapter uh, 10, uh, all the way through the entire rest of the book and through chapter 13 was actually another letter kind of left off the salutation in there that that or the greeting and um, as you had a salutation at the very end of chapter 9 in chapter 10 uh, he kind of goes back into uh, some issues that he's dealing with in the church and as we began last week I think that this is a very apropos passage a very apropos few chapters um, that I would say it would be wise for all of us to perk up in our seats and pay attention to a bit. Um, because in chapters 10 and 11, 12 and 13, these four passages, these four chapters, uh, we see something that is even happening here in the United States and in the world today. And that is that false teachers have gone out. They look very religious. They look very religious. They seem to be very religious. They will tell you that they're very religious. They will tell you that they are spirit-filled. They will tell you that they are that they are uh, right with the Lord and that their church is right with the Lord. And you know, I'm not here to tear down other churches. I'm not particularly prepared to start naming names today. But uh, there are churches out there that if you and I are not Berean ready, you know what I mean by Berean ready? Who knows what Berean ready means, Dana? Awesome. So as Dana says, that you don't just take my word for it. You actually go and you study yourself. And you find out, hey, is what it is that Don is saying true? Um, because there are some, some churches that are large out there. We have you know, especially one very large one here in Sarasota that is teaching false doctrine. And many people who actually even used to go to this church are there. And it shocks me because there are those that you think you should know better. You should know better. And it's not just people who kind of flippantly came here and, and people who just kind of showed up and, and came and, and left, but there were some that were an active ministry here that are actually a part of the church over there that says, you know, Jesus didn't necessarily need to be virgin born and he wasn't virgin born and, and uh, he didn't really die on a cross, you know, and, and the crucifixion is not really that important. You know, and 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 we we sit here and we look at this and 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 to me that shocks me. I would think and I would hope that people here that that listen to messages here. Not that I'm the answer all on everything, but again, if you're a Berean believer, you're going to go home and you're going to read and see: Is this true? Is this true? And and if it isn't true, well, then you don't want to be here because I, I I frankly you're wasting your time being here if what it is that I'm teaching is not true. But just because a church is big, because a church has a lot of things, doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it right. And, and the thing is, is that Paul is dealing with this issue in these chapters. And it's something that we need to be very, very careful of. Why? Because I look at this situation that Paul is dealing with. And in Corinth, Corinth very closely resembles us here in the United States. The decadence, the the the, the liberality, um, whether it be in in uh, uh, you know in worldly things, the liberality in worldly things, whether it be you know uh, in underhanded money making or sexual pleasures or whatever those cases are, those every evil imagination of a man's heart, you know uh, that was Corinth. You remember, we've talked about Corinth as being kind of the Las Vegas. Well, you know, Las Vegas used to be, 
you know, the, the standard we used to have here in the United States and pastors would use and say, oh, hey, you know, what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. And here's the thing. I don't see that Vegas is a whole lot different than the rest of the nation nowadays. I, I think that the nation, I think that Sarasota is the same exact way. I think we, can, we have the same exact problems here as they have in Vegas. And, and if, it's, if it's running rampant in our country, then we need to pay attention. Because we're Christians. We're Christians. Hopefully you're a Christian. Hopefully that you have a relationship with Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean that we're Christians? You know, Paul will eventually get into this place where, where he'll, he'll call out the Christians in, in Corinth. He'll call out the church in Corinth. and You just have to turn a page and look at it. In, and I had to turn a page. You might have to turn two pages. But look at it in chapter 13. In chapter 13. What does he say there in verse 5? Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Prove yourselves. Do you know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Paul is dealing with the same subject that we're dealing with today. You'd think that we would have gotten it over the years. But the thing is, is that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Above all things, the Bible says, who can know it? Well, God can know it. And yet God still loves us. And that's the thing that should blow our minds. I mean, I know the man looking back at me every day in the mirror. And you know the person looking back at you every day in the mirror. You know what goes on in your mind. You know what impure thoughts or you know what evil schemes or you know what gossip or you know whatever it is that conjures up in your mind that you sit there and you toy around with a little bit. That, right there, it's ugly, isn't it? How many of you would like to stand up and, and share with us what horrible things went through your mind? Or maybe even what horrible things your hands laid themselves to or your eyes observed or allowed your, 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 your mind and your, your soul to basically indulge in something that was so improper this week. How many of you would like to stand up here and share that with us? None of us. You know why? We're all guilty. We're all guilty. Which just blows my mind that God still loves us. By no means is God giving us the, the, the license to go and do these things. That's not the point. And that's not Paul's point here. Paul is trying to draw you and I back. He's trying to draw the children of, of, of God in Corinth back to the Lord because people have swept in there and they've begun to give and establish and, and insert new doctrine into the church. And when you begin to insert new doctrine into the church, you better make sure that that new doctrine lines up with Scripture because if it doesn't, you are a heretic I don't know what else to say. And, and I pity a man's soul who stands up in front of thousands of people in a church because you're popular and, and preach things that are not pure according to the word of God because you, you are being used by the enemy. You're being used by the enemy. And, and the, the problem is, is that because it's the popular thing and the problem that we have in our country is that everybody likes to be a part of the in thing that's going on. The in thing. You know? I remember back when I was growing up, t-shirts and sandals and shorts. You were not in unless you had, and I'm going to date myself here, Unless you had Hang 10. Remember Hang 10? A couple of us do, don't we? <laughs> I'm not going to have anybody raise their hand who remembers Hang 10 because what you're going to see is that it's, the, it's us older people. We understand it. But you know, back in that day, man, going to school, man, I had to have that Hang 10 stuff on, man. And when I went to school, I felt like I was in because I had the Hang 10 outfit on. And And... 
and we, 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 we try to find acceptance from the world because we are more interested, and sadly to say, we're very interested and more interested, not all of us, in, in what the world has to say about us and our appearance or, or about our character or about who we are than we are about God. And, and it's in that that Paul is saying, don't, don't be deceived. Don't get caught up into that. Don't get caught up into that. Because some of these super apostles, and that's kind of what Paul is addressing here, some of these super apostles are coming out and they're saying things that are not true. It's not proper. It's not holy. And it's, it's, it's borderline blasphemous before the Lord. And, and here they are. They're coming in. And you're accepting these guys in here. And you're listening to what they say. And because you listen to what they say, and by the way, they charge exorbitant fees to come in and speak to you. Which, by the way, is cracks me up. Um, back when Reg was here... Uh, uh, Reg and I went to a pastor's conference many you know, years ago back in the uh, time when The Passion of the Christ came out. You remember The Passion of the Christ with Mel Gibson? And uh, went to a conference up in Orlando. And uh, as we went to that conference up in Orlando, it was a pastor's only conference and assistant pastors. It was an invitation only. And so you got pastors and pastors only there and, and, and their assistants that are there or, or some of their team that they had, had brought with them. But here's the thing. Um, Mel Gibson was there and, and he was going to be interviewed. It was before the movie came out. We were able to actually see the movie before the movie actually came out to view the movie and it was there for pastors. And there were all these different speakers that spoke during that conference and what have you. But here's the thing. Um, I knew a guy from back where I was out in California that was actually there. And, and he was there and he actually had been a friend, a close friend of my family. He wasn't a super close friend of mine. I knew him by name and knew him, you know, by ministry. But he knew my sister and my two older brothers much more than he knew me. But I thought, wow, isn't that kind of cool? In Orlando, two guys from back in Ukaipa, California are out here. And here he is teaching in this conference. And everybody is enamored by what he says, which they ought to be. He's a good guy, you know. And, and as we... as as I was talking to some people, I said, man, I, I want to go and see Steve. I want to go talk to Steve. His name is Steve Douglas. And I want to go talk to Steve. They said, oh, you can't do that. I said, what do you mean I can't do that? I mean, he's, he's a friend of our family. I'm going to go back. Oh, you, but you can't get back into that area. I go, what do you mean you can't get back in that? Oh, that's a pastor's, the, the speaker's only area. I go, what do you mean by the speaker's only? Oh, nobody can get back there. Oh, you, get back. you can't approach those guys back there. I'm going, what do you mean by, are you kidding me? I mean, come on, really, are you kidding me? You can't, you can't reach out to this? No, no, no. That's where they stay back there and that's where they are and we're out here. You can't get to them. I'm going, God help us that pastors can't get together with pastors. You know, I'm thinking, are you serious? This is a pastor's conference for goodness sakes. I, 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 I it would shock me it would shock me. I, and I know that he didn't advocate that. I know that Steve wouldn't advocate that. Greg Laurie was also speaking there. But here's the thing. There was a separation. Oh, they're the elite and you are not the elite. You know? And, and all of a sudden, there's this, they're the super pastors. You're just a pastor. I've told you the story many times before. You know, back when I was at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, leading up the singles ministry, we did a singles uh, retreat down in Marco Island, and we had a great time. It was a three or four day, three day retreat, I think, is what it was, and we baptized a lot of people and had a lot of fun that we had down there. Um, Kevin was uh, in a skit. He was Cato Carson, I think. Was that what his name was? Cato Carson, you know, and and had a great time had a great time but at the end of the conference my wife and I we, we actually extended our time for one extra day and so all the singles left and I f- forgot how many singles were there honey? three or four hundred singles there hey you want to talk about the most volatile group in a church? <laughs> singles on a beach wearing bikinis and shorts and one guy with a speedo fluorescent yellow speedo that we actually had to ask to 
There was no bikinis. There was no bikinis. We told them no bikinis. We told we actually had to ask one lady to go and put a one piece on and what have you. But here's the thing: it's it was tough because you have so much hormones out there, and and some people want to you know they're there for the wrong reasons. But we had a great time, and and it, everything was pretty good. It went every everything went really well. I think after the conference was over, and Lynette and I are passed out by the pool. But there was one Bible that was left over, and and I it was this guy's, and and the the hotel staff gave it to me and said, hey, this is the guy's, and and I opened it up, and I just to find out whose it was, and I couldn't find out whose it was at first, and I but I saw his notes. <laughs> I taught all six messages, and I'm going, oh, this would be cool to see what it is that he got, and what I read shocked me, it destroyed me. It destroyed me. Listen, if you ever get up and teach and you find a Bible and you go and look at the person's notes, just don't do it. I just, it's just my you know, gift to you. Don't read someone else's notes on what it is that you said. This guy shredded me. You know, He was there for the wrong reason. He was trying to... Obviously, there was two ha- different handwritings. This, you know, the chicken scratch handwriting was his. And then, I don't know what you girls do, but you have like some school that you, or you have some gene in your body that gives you this really nice flowing, you know, handwriting, you know. Guys, I don't know about that. We have that. But here's the thing. You could see that there's evident, you know, evidently two different people speaking. One is a girl, one is a guy. And you're, you're reading it, and he's talking about, you know, you know, Things that are going on at the conference and what have you, you know, this guy's boring me. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. This guy bores me to death. Oh. And when I read that, I, went, oh. I was so excited, man. Hey, our conference is over. We had a good time and I was boring. And, and he kept kind of trashing me down in this. And the girl, she did stick up for me, which was a good thing. And, and she was saying, I'm getting a lot out of it, you know, and, and, uh, one of the things you know I, I, that I don't like to do is I don't like to sit by guys like you because you're a distractor. And I'm going, you give it to him, girl. You give it to him, girl. You know. But she did ask in the little note. She goes, so is is he a pastor? And this guy said, well, he's like a junior pastor. <laughs> and it just, it just, I'm just like, can you? Can you destroy me any more than what you're doing right here? And it was, it, you know, and what was interesting is I, that's why I'm passed out by the pool. I've already read this. My wife's going, honey, you know what? We had a good conference. Let's go and lay out by the pool. This guy shows up. They're, all of the singles are gone. Three, four hundred singles gone. This guy shows up out at the pool and goes, hey, 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 guys. Hey, I left my Bible. Did, do do." Did you find a Bible? Did they turn in a Bible? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have it up in my room, Greg. <laughs> and he's going, hey, can I just tell you guys this? This was the best conference I've ever been at in my whole life. This was life-changing. And I'm just going, you... I didn't say it, but I'm just going, you lion dude. You are just a lion dude. You are lying to me right to my face. It was just shocking. You know, I gave him the... I, it's, it, it's, it has hung with me for a while. I'm, I think I'm over it. You think? <laughs> Here's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm not over it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's, it's really a, a hit. It's a hit to somebody. They're doing that to Paul. He's not really a pastor Paul. He doesn't even charge when he comes. He does everything for free for us. So, so really, because he does it for free, the value of his words are nothing. It's cheap. What he says isn't good. The other guys, they charge us exorbitant amounts to come and they, they exact from us all of these honorariums, this huge amounts of money in order to preach to us. But here's the thing, because Paul, 
He doesn't look good. He doesn't wear the kind of a designer suit that these other guys do. He doesn't make us laugh the way that these other guys make us laugh. He doesn't charge us these exorbitant fees. Because he doesn't do those things, his word is second rate. I'm setting the stage for what Paul is doing and what Paul is having to deal with. And we're going to read it here in just a second. You're you're going to see this is what Paul is dealing with. These super apostles that have come to you, these ones that have segregated themselves off from you, these senior pastors and not just junior pastors, you know, these guys who make themselves out to be something, but they're really not. You're willing to listen and do what it is that they want you to do because of the fanfare and because of the acceptance that everybody wants to do. We talked a little bit about this last week. Sometimes we have this tendency, we have this tendency to, when we confess our sins, remember this? When we confess our sins, we seem to think that we need to add more to our confession There has to be more work on our part in order for us to actually feel vindicated before God. I've got to do more in order to feel at peace with the Lord. I need to have a rule. I need to have a regulation. I need to have a penalty mark. If you curse, there needs to be four lashes. If you curse, you need to drop a weight on your pinky toe. You got to do something because you got to have a pain that uh, that is is associated with this. You can't eat for four days. If you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you can't eat for four days. See that appeals to us in our flesh because that's us being able to pay for our sin. We're actually, we actually are included in paying for our sin instead of really understanding what grace is. And we talked about that, didn't we? Grace, we can't add anything to grace. I can't make God's grace, God's love be demonstrated more to me by anything that I do other than coming before Him and saying, God, I am a I'm a sinner. And and you love me. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me. I can't add any more to that. You can't add any more than that. Not these guys. These guys are coming in and they're saying, no, you need to do more. You need to do more. There's more that you need to do. So Paul's having to address this issue. He's addressing this issue. We're going to read all of chapter 11 so that you can hear Paul's heart here. Paul says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Is Paul sinning because he's jealous? Wait a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Love is not jealous. And yet, and I don't have the, 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 the scripture reference. Somebody might have it back in the Old Testament where it says, I am a jealous God. God says he is jealous. He is a jealous God. It's a difference. The difference is, the jealousy is, is appropriated in the proper place. Paul is jealous for the purity of the hearts of the, of, the, of the sheep. He's jealous that wolves can, can come in and, and infiltrate and begin to deceive and begin to sway the flock. And he's, he's jealous for the flock to the point where he is willing to to highlight and point out that these super teachers, these super pastors, these super apostles that are coming out saying that that's who they are, downgrading Paul, and the people are buying into it, 
they're changing the gospel. They're changing grace. They're changing these things. Paul says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I have, for I have betrothed you to one husband. What's he saying there? He's saying, you're marrying yourself to not just Christ. You're marrying yourself to the world and to these false teachers that are coming in. You're marrying yourself to Satan and the Lord at the same time. It can't be. It can't be. I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. The idea here is, is that a bridegroom or a, fa- or a bridegroom's best man or, or maybe a father, both of them apply in this aspect where a, a bridegroom's best man would make sure that the bride-to-be would be chaste and, vir- and a virgin and, and, and be pure on the day of the wedding vows. You remember that, that when you're betrothed to somebody back in this day, you're betrothed for about a year. Betrothed is an engagement for about a year. And once you enter into a betrothal, there's no sleeping together. There's no inner, you know, there's no living together. There's no cohabitating together. You're still separate. You're still apart from one another, but you're betrothed. You are, you are marked out for each other's life for the rest of your lives in marriage. But the first year is a time where you are dedicating yourself to one another without any physical you know, uh, a- a- attachment of, of, of coming together. And so if a betrothal is broken, there actually had to be a divorce. There actually had to be signed divorce papers. But the day that the marriage happened is when living together and cohabitating together and, and procreating and all of these things, just the, the love of a husband and the love of a wife coming together and two becoming one, therein on the marriage day, that becomes. That's when it happens. Can you imagine if we still had that? <laughs> That'd be crazy. Here's the thing. What I mean by that is that you're engaged for a year. That didn't happen with Lynette and I. We weren't engaged for a year. We were engaged for like a few months and then we got married. And, and, and the thing is, is that what, what the idea is here is that the bridegroom's best man or, or the bride's father is to make sure that in the betrothal period he does anything and everything to keep that woman to keep that bride-to-be in a place where she can maintain her purity, where she can maintain her holiness before her husband. For on that day, when she offers herself to him, she offers herself as a chaste virgin. That's what Paul's saying. I betrothed you to one husband, and it's Christ. It's my job to make sure that the evildoers don't get in and sway you in their thinking. That's what he's saying. I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest how. This is where the fear comes in. This is where the the problem comes in. But I fear lest how as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And as we talked about that last week, so many times we look at that and we go, it's too simple to say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me, cleanse me and be on with it. And go and live in in freedom in Christ. That just seems too simple. And that's what these super apostles or these super pastors were saying. Paul's grace is too simple. It's too simple. He's saying you simply just have to believe. You see, he's saying you just simply have to confess. You just have to believe in Jesus. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you what? shall be saved. The witness is this, 1 John uh, says, doesn't it? The witness is this, that, uh, I just had a blank. 
witnesses this. First John chapter 5. He says, He who has the Son, verse 12, this is the testimony, verse 11, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Verse 13, These things were written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may... What's the word? Know that you have eternal life. Not that you might have eternal life. Not that if God's in a good mood, you're going to have eternal life. No, but that you may know that you have eternal life. That's cheap grace of what these apostles or what these super apostles are saying, what these super teachers are saying. Paul's grace is too simplistic. There's more to it. And Paul's going, you guys are being deceived and I'm jealous for you. And I'm jealous. I'm sorry, I have a hard time with those that I love that that used to be here that are being taught horrible doctrine. And it breaks my heart. To this, I, 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 every time I think about it, it just grinds my heart. And they don't want to hear. They don't want to hear that it's wrong. They don't want to hear because they have a relationship. Gang, if your relationship with people supersedes your relationship with Christ, you have a wrong view of relationship. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what Paul says. I came here determined not to know anything except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because you know what? That friend that is next to you is not going to be the one you're going to answer to on the day of judgment. It's not the one that you're going to have to answer to for the one who paid your penalty for your sin. Not your friend. I want acceptance. Stop with the idea that you need acceptance from the world. The only one you need acceptance from, that I need acceptance from, that we need acceptance from, is who? It's Christ, right? It's God. That's the only one. Gang, it's the lie of the world trying to pull us away from the simplicity that is in Christ. We can't, we can't buy into the lie of what the world says. You've got to have what the world has. Oh, but that church, they're spiritual. Be careful. Be careful. Jesus says, many are going to come to me in that day and they're going to say, Lord, Lord. He's going to say, Lord. They're going to say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not cast out demons in your name? That sounds like what's going on in a church. Didn't I do many mighty miracles in your name? That sounds like what goes on in many churches, doesn't it? And Jesus will say, I will declare to them in that day, depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Because they, they made grace something that it wasn't supposed to be. They began to teach something that Christ never taught. But they were popular. They were big. You've heard me say it before. I love the music of Larnell Harris, except for one song. Maybe more. I don't know all of his music, but he sang one song that that just infuriated me back when I was over in Fort Lauderdale listening to it and 595 going out to where Lynette's Lynette's mom and dad lived. I remember hearing it one time. And he was singing a song, and I'm going, man, this is a really catchy tune. But but the, the chorus was something like, I know that this is right that that you know Christ is right I can't remember the exact words of the song but the gist of it is I know that Christ and being a Christian is correct because how can so many millions be wrong I'm going are you kidding me is that how you will is is that how you're going to determine whether something's right or wrong how can so many people be wrong that's actually not biblical Jesus says, wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many there are who go that way. But narrow is the way that leads to life, and few are they who go that way. And so, if so many people are going in the wrong way to hell, does that make them right? Well, according to that song, it is. And I say, that's not right. Is that the proof text that Christianity is the right, is the right religion? Is because so many people can't be wrong? What about the Muslims? What about the Hindus? Somebody's got to be wrong. 
It's not going to be Christ. But it's going to be a lot of churches. Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do all these things in your name? Didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I do many mighty miracles in your name? And I will declare to them in that day, says the Lord, depart from me, I never knew you. You had a different doctrine. You had a different, you had a different plan. You had a different whole purpose of why you came together as a church. Gang, we have got to be careful that we know the word of God in such a way that I don't care, this might be your last time here. But wherever you go, whatever church you attend, would you do yourself a favor and check if what they're saying is actually accurate according to the word? And don't buy into, well, there's thousands of people at this church. And they've got this rock and worship band. They've got this awesome light show. And they've got this ridiculous smoke display. I think, is, is that where Jesus is? I mean, and not to say that he can't be in places like that. Hey, I, I know that there's a lot of places that have that. That love Jesus. But is that what identifies and makes Christ, Christians? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I, I don't think that that's what Jesus thinks either. And I don't think that that's what Paul is thinking. I fear lest, how, lest somehow, as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For he who comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we haven't preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, well, you may well put up with it. Now, this is kind of a theme that Paul carried on to the church in, in, in Galatia, didn't he? Galatians chapter 1, verses 5 and 8. You remember what Paul says? If we or an angel of light come and preach to you any other gospel than what you have heard, let him be damned to the lowest hell. Let him be accursed. And I say it before, I say it again. If we or anyone, even an angel of light, you don't think that you can be deceived? You don't think that you can be, you can be tempted to be deceived? You don't think that you can be tempted to be deceived by the enemy claiming that something is spiritual and it is not spiritual? He's been doing it all along, gang. Listen. Satan will attack. Either if you're going, I want nothing to do with God, I just want to live like hell. I'll join you, Satan would say. I'm going to live for the Lord, I'm going to live for God, and I'm going to do all these spiritual things because that's what that guy says I need to do. If you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, Satan will join that band too. May I say I believe that Satan is in a lot of churches. I think Satan is in a lot of pulpits. And, and you might go, well, isn't that kind of audacious and arrogant for you as a small pastor? I mean, look at our church. It's small. How could you possibly say something like this? If you were a larger church, maybe I would hear you out more. That's exactly what Paul's saying. Because I don't have this large church, I make no sense. If I had a large church, if I had nicer clothes on, if I was in better shape, if I had a lot more money, if I charged you a lot of money, you would listen to me. You'd well put up with it. That's what he's saying. Even if I pre preached a different gospel. If, I'm, if I look the part, if I sound the part, if everything about me is wonderful and you are into it and I have all this backing behind me, you're going to put up with it. And this is what Paul's saying. Listen, he who comes and preaches another Jesus whom we haven't preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. Because there's no apostle that's greater than I am. Not that I'm greater than the apostle. Than the apostles that are there. Peter, James, John, I'm not greater than they are. But they're definitely not greater than I am. We are all level at the foot of the cross. Even though I may be untrained in speech, 
yet I am not in knowledge. There is, you know, this is not one of those texts that many will come in, expositors will come in and they'll say, this is, this is why many people think that Paul's thorn in the flesh might have been a, an eye problem, not, not this text, but maybe a speech problem. Maybe he had a big lisp. Maybe he had a very whiny voice. He obviously, his appearance and his speech wasn't nice. It wasn't pleasing. <laughs> and, and he talked about that a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? Because my appearance and my speech aren't awesome. I'm being rejected. Other people have better ability to speak it. I remember reading an actor, reading about an actor who read the 23rd Psalm with such drama before a crowd of people. He read it. And he, 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 he quoted it by heart. He knew it by heart because he had practiced it and he had such drama with it. And then they said, well, pastor do you know it and they brought a pastor up and he did the same exact he said the same exact passage Psalm 23 except the pastor had a tear coming down his cheek and the actor said I know the words to that psalm but that pastor knows the shepherd there's a difference there's a difference in in the presentation. Paul says, hey, maybe my presentation isn't the greatest in the world. But you cannot come against my knowledge. I have personal relation I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And though I might not be able to articulate it as good as maybe some of these other guys, what these guys are doing with such wonderful flowery speech, they're adding in things that are not good and not true and you're buying it and you're, you're departing from the faith in doing so for even though I'm untrained in speech yet I'm not in knowledge but we have been thoroughly made known among you in all these things did I commit sin to you guys in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge I robbed other churches taking wages from them in order to minister to you. Now, that is confusing, isn't it? Paul robbed churches? What Paul's saying is that Macedonia, and you're going to see that here in a second, Macedonia supported me as I came down here into Corinth Corinth to preach to you guys. They saw that the, that the salvation to the Corinthian church was of such value to them in Macedonia that they so desired to have brothers and sisters down here in Corinth that they were willing, even though they didn't have the money to do it. You remember we talked about that about four or five weeks ago. They didn't have the money to do it. And yet they still supported me. And I came down here and I preached to you free of charge. I never took anything from you. I took nothing from you in order to bring you the gospel. And because I bring it to you free, the gospel to you free of charge, am I in sin? Really? Because these other super apostles come in and say, hey, I'll come if you give me an honorarium. Now, I'll get phone calls every once in a while from people that want to come, artists that want to come, or even speakers that want to come. And they'll say, hey, my honorarium is $5,000. <laughs> That's no longer an honorarium, right? It just cracks me up. You know, it was just this week, I think it was 39 years, I think is what it was, 39 years ago, just a couple of days ago, that Keith Green died. How many of you guys know who Keith Green is? Some of you guys do. Yeah. His music was in your face. I mean, it was pretty hardcore in your face. But he was calling out because he had a jealousy for the church. He was calling out to the church to be pure. He was really calling out the church to to be pure in a very impure world. And it wasn't a very popular message, but those who were desiring to have a walk with the Lord, they loved that music. They loved to hear his music because it was so... It was, it was rough at times. You'd sit there and, and, and hear it. 
Go home and listen to Asleep in the Light. You know? He, he talks about Jesus rose from the dead, but you, you can't even get out of bed <laughs> to go to church. <laughs> and, and, and you sit there and you go, okay, this was a pretty song until you just slammed me. Jesus rose from the grave, but you, you can't even get out of bed. I mean, he just hammers it in. Dun, 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 dun. You know, and he's on his piano. He died back in, in uh, I don't know, 39 years ago, however long it was. I just saw it on Facebook this last week from his wife, Melody. And from uh, an artist that we had here, Kelly Willard. Um, Kelly came. She was one of the pioneers of Jesus people music. She wrote a lot of the choruses that any of some of you older, you know, saints have sung for many many years. She she was she wrote some of those some of those songs, which is unbelievable. And she came. She asked, "Hey, I'd like to come. I'd like to bless you. Well, you know, what do you charge? Nothing. I just I just want to come and bless you. I, I, you know, if if you feel led to give me an honorary, praise the Lord. I'll take it. But you know." But if, if you can't, I don't care. I want to come and bless you. Kelly Willard on our stage, yeah. yeah. She's older now. But you know what? She still has a heart to please and, 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 and worship the Lord. I like that. Keith Green, he didn't charge for his music. You can't afford my music, you know what? Go back and you like it, you go back and get an album. For those of you who don't know what an album is, it's this black... <laughs> disc about this big that music comes off of you can hear it but it's crazy you put a needle on it and it actually plays music but but if you can't afford it go and get it it's my gift to you if you can pay for it praise the lord if you can't i'm not here i'm not charging for my concerts I look at some of these concerts today and it's just absolutely ridiculous. Jeremy and I were talking about this a few months ago when there was a concert coming up for the youth and I'm going, I don't remember how much the con- concert tickets were. I, I don't know what the tickets for something was like, it's like a hundred bucks a piece or something like that. And I'm going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Well, and people can justify and say, well, you know, I mean, they have to do all the lights and the cameras and all the action and all the venues and everything. Okay, I understand that. But when I look at some of these Christian artists, I had a friend of mine that that wrote a song that we sing even here at times. And the royalties that he makes just off of that one song... 30 years ago 25 years ago he was making at that time 60 grand a year just for the one song for the royalties know that if he's making 60 grand off of one song I'm not here to trash down any artist or anything I love Chris Tomlin's music but is that guy a multimillionaire or what I mean does he really need me to pay 70 bucks to go and see him I just Keith Green's going I I don't want any of that I don't want that I don't want to have that part and the artists will say well we're artists we're not actually ministers and that's kind of how they get out that's just silly who gave you that gift well God who are you singing to God who are you singing it for God who are you singing it among Christians are you giving witness and testimony in the midst of that and you're hoping that people get saved during your concerts? Yeah. You're a minister. You're doing exactly what a pastor does. By the way, um, the tickets for today <laughs> will take your cash on the way out. It was $100 a, a, a head. Can you imagine if we had to pay 100 bucks a head to come into church every week? We don't think about that. But here's what Paul's saying. I came to you and I, I, I took I was supported by Macedonia churches in order to come here to preach to you the gospel free of charge. And when I was present with you and when I was in need, 
I was never a burden to you for what was lacking to me. The brethren who came from Macedonia supplied, and in everything I kept myself from being a burdensome, from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. He's going, because I didn't come and charge you to bring you the gospel, you are counting that as a, as a knock against me? I'm bringing you the gospel free of charge because the gospel is free. I'm not charging for this. There are, are there expenses? Yeah, there's expenses because I have to live. But here's the thing. If I don't get supported, I'll go and make tents. That's what Paul did. I'll make tents. Why didn't I charge you? He says in verse 11, why? Why didn't I charge you? Because I don't love you? I didn't charge you these fees because I don't love you? Does that even make sense? That's a rhetorical question, by the way. A rhetorical question actually has an obvious answer. He's going, why? Because I do not love you? The answer is, of course you love us, Paul. Paul answers, he says, hey, God knows. God knows that I love you. But what I do, I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such, and, and so what they're saying, hey, we have the words even greater than, than Paul, but here's the thing, we're going to charge you for them when we come. And we're going to come with our posse. And we're going to come with a group, man. It's going to be hip hopping. And we're going to, it's going to be awesome. Well, it's going to cost a lot of money. But our message is better than Paul's. Paul's is, is weak. It's cheap. His grace, cheap. It's free. It's not good. Paul says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming, it, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, he says, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. And I'm afraid that there's a lot of pastors and pulpits that this right here, this verse represents. I, 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 listen, I'm not here to try to garner your support to stay in this church. That's not why I'm even saying this. If, if, if you all go, man, this was a hard message. You've got a, a burr under your saddle for something and I'm going to go to a church that just doesn't have this kind of a burr. You're welcome to go. You're welcome to go. I'm not here to hold on to sheep. I've said it when I came here. I get accused of it. You know, sheep are leaving. I don't chase after sheep. Because you're not mine. You're God's. I figure if you are truly a sheep of the Lord, God can handle you. God can put you wherever he wants. He just so happens to have a flock right here in this building. And he's called me to represent him here in this building. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be here. I was told 15 years ago that our church had six months to live and that the Spirit of God was not in this place. And here we are, 10, 12, 15 years later, however long it's been. And, and, and the Spirit of God's here. here here's the thing. I'm not going to... I'm not gonna, I'm, Paul's not pulling any punches. We have too many pastors that are pulling way too many punches. I pull way too many punches. Because I fear... I fear at times, I'll be honest with you, I fear that if I, if, I, if I say it too hard, if I say things too rough, you will leave. And I, I don't want you to leave. I, I have a hard time being like Jesus at times. Jesus says, hey man, unless you drink my blood and you eat my flesh, you can have no part with me. And 15,000 of his church took off, which left 12. <laughs> there was 12 more people there. And then Jesus looked at them and didn't say, hey guys, they misunderstood me. Can you go back and tell them this is what I meant? He didn't do any of that. Here's what he said to the 12. You know what he said to the 12, don't you? He says, hey, do you guys also want to go too? Jesus wasn't concerned in the vast numbers of people that were going to be there to build up his little, you know, uh, a church on the earth. Or to, uh, a, he does want to build a church on the earth, but he wants to build the right church on the earth. 
There's a difference between building a group of a, a, a social group of people on the on the earth, and there's a different uh, meaning of building a true church upon the earth. We do not have the corner of the market. I do not have the corner of the market. I don't. I don't know. You know a lot, and I I can blow it in many areas. I do, and I will, and I will continue to. The thing is. What I never want to be accused of, which, by the way, that group of people that left that said that the Spirit of God had left, I still have the letter. Spirit of God has gone from this church. But the one thing that we have that I, I can say is that I've never heard a teacher so ingrained in the Word of God that you will not... Uh, uh, contradict what the word of God says you preach what the word says I'm thinking did you read what you wrote how can the spirit of God not be in a place that God's word is being preached I don't understand that but I guess I'm not supposed to understand that that's okay I hope that I never change I hope that I don't ever take what the word of God says and water it down so that you'll stay or so that we'll grow never going to do it I, we can go down to two people can't be three because Nathan's about to take off to go to college my wife is going to get sick of hearing me but here's the thing until God calls me on this is what we're doing man let's teach the word of God the way that Paul was teaching the word of God let's look at the word of God the way that Paul was looking at the word of God let's look at it and say hey am I willing Am I willing to have people leave? Am I willing to have people turn their back on me? This is what's happening to Paul. I'm identifying with Paul in this. And I'm sorry, it's being maybe a little bit more personal to me here today because I see, here's a guy that I think he knows what I feel like at times. I see people leave and run after something different. And then I see him two and three and four years later and they're sitting under somebody who is teaching absolute heresy but it's popular and it grieves and breaks my heart and I can't do anything about it here's what I've called to do I'm going to open the word I'm going to teach you what what I see the word saying and you know what you're going to do you're going to open the word and you're going to teach me what the word is saying to you and somebody come and tell me hey does the church actually hear read the Bible uh, I don't know I know some of you do I know some of you do we ought to all be readers of the Bible we ought to all be in the word how can we know the master if we don't know his word we got to be in the word if, if you have to have it on in an audio do it Envelop yourself in God's word. I'll tell you right now, that's kind of where I am right now. I'm just letting the word in word form, in audio form, go through. And man, there are times, this last week, I'm just going, that message that Solomon just said was a shot of life to my to my being. <laughs> He said something. He said, "He said the end of a thing is better than the beginning." While I was moving, <laughs> I'm going. You're speaking my language, Solly. Here's the thing, man. I can't wait till I'm done with all this moving. I was looking forward to actually going down this road. Now I'm not looking forward to it anymore. I don't want to go home today because I have to unpack more. But one day I'm going to be done and I'm going to be able to sit back and go, the end is better than the beginning. And just on and on and on that just the words of wisdom was like shots of life to my soul. You can't get those shots of life from your, to, to your soul by getting a, a, a here and there encouragement on just Facebook or an Instagram or whatever 
tweet. Those can, those can come. Those definitely can come. There's no better way than for you and the Lord to be going over his word. Get in the word, man. Be prepared. Know the counterfeits that are out there. The only way for you to know the counterfeits is to actually handle the real thing. Right? Father, thank you so much for today. And I pray, Lord, that... I I pray that today was not such a... Oh, Lord, I I don't even know what I'm going to pray right there. Lord, I, I just... I lay that out to you. What has been said here today, anything that is of my flesh, Lord... I pray that you remove from the minds. And that's not that's not having a scapegoat. That's not that's not taking the easy way out. But I truly honestly ask that Lord if if I've said something that was not of you and if and if love wasn't shown here sure the words were harsh. Sure sure the the words were were a little tough. And they were pretty abrupt, abrupt at times. But I say this I see the same words from Paul. And they weren't done to hurt None of my words here today, Lord, I pray that you know the intention of my heart, the intention of my soul, that these words were not here to hurt, nor to guilt, nor to influence in any other manner than to influence people to, to seek your face. Because I understand Paul when he says, I'm jealous for this church. I'm jealous for this Corinthian church. I'm jealous for this church. I'm jealous for anybody who would put up with my message on a week-by-week basis. I'm jealous for them. And I want them to know you. And I want them to know, to know you in such a way that no matter what counterfeit comes along, they're not going to be swayed. Not that they wouldn't leave this church, but if they do go somewhere, that they would be radically used without compromise even if they have to say the hard things when the hard things need to be said. That they would be true women and men of you, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that love, the proper jealousy in love, has been articulated today. I want these sheep, your sheep, to be ready to withstand the deceptive darts of the, of the enemy, of the deceiver, that they would not get caught up in what the world calls success, but that they would be caught up in what you call success. You had a church of 12. Lord, our church is bigger than yours at that time. You turn the world upside down with those 12 guys. Well, minus Judas, but then adding in Paul. You turn the world upside down with those 12. We have more than 12 in this room. And Lord, if we can completely and truly surrender and sell out completely to you, both feet in, what in the world can you do with us? We outnumber your disciples in this room. What can you do in us? We have old and we have young. We have in between. God, we can reach every age group in just our small little church. God, I pray that every single one of us sees ourselves as an active spoke in the wheel of you, Lord. That we're not a bystander. That we are simply to to be being spoon fed here and then go home and and not get any more food until we come back next week but that Lord that this is just a time where we gather together and encourage one another and and build each other up and sit at your feet collectively and corporately as a flock of sheep so then when we leave this place we can actually go and live the life that we've learned that we can go out and live the life that you have so planned out for us There is not one person in here that you do not have a plan and a purpose to radically change the people and the environment around them. God, help us not to shy away from that, but recognize that, God, you've called us, no matter how small we are, no matter how individual we feel, no matter how lonely we we might feel as an individual in this room, 
no matter how uh, uh, unprepared or unqualified that we might feel as we sit in our chair right now, Lord, you have a plan for us this day. God, help us to walk out of here in the spirit and the power of you, Jesus, and go out and affect this world out here because that is what you called us to do. Go into the world. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you. That's how we do it, Lord. You're with us. And I pray, God, that you encourage every one of us as we walk out of this place today. Impact the world that we have around us. This world is becoming this nation, our community. Is becoming more decadent by the day. Is becoming more rebellious by the day. May we come before you and say, Lord, how can I stop the rebellion in my life? How can I stop my slipping away? Or how can I stop in my life or in my friends' lives or in our church's life? How can we grow in you? How can we affect this world for you? Use my weaknesses and show me your strength. Show, my, show me my inadequacies and then show me how you overcome what it is that I think are inadequacies as you did with Moses. Am I not the one who made man's mouth? You said, Lord, you made our mouths. Surely you can make them work. You made our minds. Surely you can make them work. You made our tongues. Surely you can make them work. Lord, use them. Use us in this day, in this week. When we come back together next week, Lord, I pray that we can hear a testimony or two of how, God, you touched somebody's life through one individual in here, two individuals. Uh, Maybe there's a testimony from every single person. What a great day that would be if everybody had a testimony next week of how you use their life. May it be, Lord. May we truly be an Acts chapter 2 church where we depend upon you and expect you to do a work in our life on a day-by-day basis. I lift these precious saints to you right now, Lord, and I pray, God, that you would bless them as they leave this day. You give them an awesome week ahead. We lift them to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.